God really is good, amen? And I'm thankful for that. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 18 this morning. Psalm chapter 18. I didn't get shot by Pastor Stewart this morning, so I'm on a roll, so I try to keep that going. Not, not say anything too crazy or weird or anything. I did want to say as well, um, this coming, so this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, our church is having our Northwest Bible Conference. So it'll be Thursday at 7, Friday at 7, uh, Saturday at 6. Uh, we're having uh, Pastor Dave Havman and then Pastor Alan Ryman as our two preachers for the conference. We have two preachers each night. Uh, if you get a chance, I encourage you to come on up for it. I'm really looking forward to it, especially um, some of you might know who Dave Havman is. It's John Havman's son. Uh, but Alan Ryman is a pastor from back east around where I'm from in Delaware. Uh, and uh, he's kind of crazy just to be upfront and honest. He's an older gentleman. He got saved out of a gang and uh, didn't know how to read when he got saved, so his wife taught him how to read out of the Bible, and he's just one of those guys, man. He just loves the Lord, loves people, and uh, story after story after story about things that he's done for God. I was telling uh, 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 some of the men earlier, uh, one of the things he's done is, for some reason, he was down in Washington, D.C. Uh, there was some conference or something going on, and there's a big Catholic influence there in Washington, D.C., and so I guess it's, I think it's Pennsylvania Avenue, one of the main busy avenues by the White House that normally has a lot of backed up traffic. He went to that avenue, he dressed up as a priest, took some tracks, and as people were going down the road, he's like giving them tracks saying, bless you my child, and handing them tracks and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's just, he's kind of crazy, but he loves the Lord. That's one of the many, many stories that could be told. So if anything, just come to, I mean, experience Alan Ryman. If that's the only reason you come, like, you won't be disappointed. But once again, that'll be uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening. If you need more info on that, let me know. But we encourage you to come if you can make it, and I'll be praying for that. But anyway, Psalm chapter 18. I am thankful to be here again. appreciate the spirit of this church. It's always a good time to be here, and uh, appreciate the liberty I feel when I preach, and just people that love the Lord. Psalm chapter 18. This is a great passage. I encourage you to read this whole thing sometime when you get the chance. There's a lot of good stuff in here. We're just going to read the first three verses, though. The Bible says this. It says, uh, David speaking, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved for mine enemies. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you, God, for just your goodness to us. I thank you for this opportunity to be in church. I thank you, Lord, that you really are it. And God, there's so many things that can distract us in our life and so many things that can get our focus, but really you are all that matters. And Lord, one day we're going to stand before you and I can't wait for that day, God, that we do get to see you face to face and realize that it is worth it all uh, to live for Jesus. It is worth it all to live for God. And uh, Lord, what a great thing that is. But Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church uh, and their faithfulness to you, Lord, uh, a church that still has Sunday morning services, a church that still stands on the King James Bible and still loves souls and wants to do right. And uh, God, they're willing to be gathered here on a Sunday morning. And Father, we're not to hear from he... Uh, we're not here to hear from me, uh, but God, these folks are here to hear from you. And so, Father, I pray you'd get me out of the way right now that Jesus Christ will be the one that's high and lifted up and glorified. Uh, your word says that if, if Christ is lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. And that's the goal tonight, uh, this morning, Lord. It's not to exalt a man. It's not to exalt a church. It's not to exalt a religion. It's to exalt Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray 
that you would use me beyond myself. God, I I don't deserve to be behind this pulpit. Lord, I fall short in many different areas. Lord, to be used of you, to be able to preach. But God, this is what you've called me to do. And this is the opportunity you've given me. And so God, please, I I pray for your help. I pray for your strength. I pray for your wisdom. God, I pray for the words to say this morning. Lord, of course, I have my own opinions and my own ideas and, and my own thoughts. But Lord, those are all not good. Lord, those those won't help anybody. Those won't mean anything to anyone. Those won't change a life. But God, if as I preach, you get me out of the way, if, if, if you give me your words, Lord, and as I preach, you go up and down these aisles and speak to hearts and, and touch hearts, God, that's what's going to make a difference. And so, Father, I don't exactly know what these people need this morning. I don't know what everything they're going through is. I don't know if they're discouraged. I don't know if they're encouraged. I don't know if they need challenged, if they're in sin. If Maybe someone here this morning needs to say, God, I don't know that, but you do. And so, Father, please, I pray that you would do the work this morning, that you'd make yourself very, very real to each one here this morning. And God, speak to them uh, very clearly in their hearts and give them what they need. And Lord, I thank you for being such a good God. I thank you for answering prayer, Lord. I just, I want to say, Lord, each time I've been here, I've prayed for Pastor Stewart and his health. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for answering that prayer and bringing him back and that he's here this morning and doing better. And I want to give you the glory for that. And just once again, say, you're a good God. I know I kind of keep saying that, Lord, but it's true. So, Father, please help me this morning. Help me to preach as a dying man to dying men. And I'll be sure to give you the praise and glory and honor because you're the one that deserves it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we get here to Psalm chapter 18. And once again, I'll say again, there's a lot of good stuff in this verse or this chapter. So I encourage you to read it sometime. We're just going to focus on the first three verses. But I like how you get to this chapter. and, And David pretty much just starts bragging on the Lord. And David just starts lifting up God, and David just starts talking about how good the Lord is. I'd like to say it'd be good for us every once in a while just to talk about how good God is. Just to lift Him up. Just to give Him the glory that He deserves. Right? People should be able to tell from our lives that we're, we're glad that we serve the Lord. That we're glad that we live for God. I mean, we, we can say we hear preaching and all that kind of stuff, and people say about God's good, and what a blessing it is to be saved, and But it really is good to be saved. It really is good to serve the Lord. And people should see from your life and my life that that we really care about God. And we really do appreciate the Lord. And that God really is a good God. Man, what helped these young people in their lives is to see some older Christians and some adults that actually live that. And every once in a while just start saying, hey, God's good in this way and God's good in that way. And God's been good to me here and God's blessed me here. Because God has. And you know what? It doesn't take very long uh, to read the writings of David to see what he thinks of God. I've never read through Psalms and wondered, man, did David really care about God? Was God really good to David? I mean, did, did, did God mean anything to David? No, because David is not ashamed to lift up the Lord. David is not ashamed to just simply say, man, God is good. And folks, that'd be good for us, something good for us to do every once in a while. And you see, he's bragging on God here, and he brings up first off, uh, he says in verse number one, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And he talks about how God is his strength. I'm thankful this morning that God is our strength. You know why? Because I couldn't live this Christian life by myself. I couldn't be what I need to be for God by myself. I couldn't go through the battles and the fights and even sometimes the discouragements and all, without God being my strength. 
But man, he's been faithful to be there for me and help me go and help me keep going for him when I need him. If you keep your spot here, but go over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says this, Colossians 1, 10 It says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Man, I'm thankful this morning that we can be strengthened with all the might that we need to do the things God wants us to do. Man, I praise the Lord this morning that I can get up and I can preach this message in God's strength and not my own. You know why? Because none of you would want to hear me preach a message in my own strength. I don't want to be preaching a message in my own strength because I've done that before. And I've fallen on my face before and it's been a flop before. But I'm thankful I can have God's strength to do that. I'm thankful that when when I go out to the store and and God tells me to hand a track out to someone and I'm not always the most fond of people, so I'm like, no thank you. But I can get God's strength to do what God's told me to do. Man, we talked this morning about giving and, and, and man, the strengths God's given me to follow Him and trust His Word. Hey, the times where I've been discouraged and I've been downhearted and I've been almost ready to quit, that God comes along and He gives me strength when I need it. Are you thankful this morning for God's strength? And not only for God's strength, but man, David said, He's my strength. Hey, I'm thankful this morning that God isn't just Pastor Stewart's strength. He's not just Brother Bob's strength. He's not just Brother Perry, but He's my strength. And He's your strength. He's what you need when you need it. Ephesians 6.10, the Bible says, Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm thankful that we can be strong in God. We don't have to be a bunch of wimps. We don't have to be a bunch of scaredy cats. We don't have to be all fearful of the devil and the world. But we can be strong in the Lord. Praise the Lord this morning that God is my strength. But He doesn't just say, God is my strength. He also says, God is my rock. My rock. The Lord is my rock. And what that is, is that's a firm foundation. I'm thankful this morning that we have a firm foundation. I don't know if you've looked at this world recently, but this world's pretty crazy. And this world has a lot of things where they don't know what to stand on or what to believe because at one time this is what's true, and one time this is what's acceptable, and this is what's wrong, and it all gets mixed up, and it all gets... And people don't know what to believe. People don't know what to trust. And God help you if your trust is in those talking heads on the news and what they say and what they tell you to believe. But we have a firm foundation today. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And look, I know a lot of us have grown up in church and so we're used to the Bible and used to God and used to being saved. It's kind of just become something that we're just used to. But don't take for granted the fact that God is the same. Don't take for granted the fact that this Bible that you trusted in when you got saved is the still Bible today. It's the same. Hey, that Bible that, that you trusted in when things are good is still the same Bible when things are bad. That God that provided for you when you needed Him way back then is still that God, same God today that provides for you today. And He is the same. It's a firm foundation. Man, there's a lot of things in this world I don't know about and I don't know what to stand on and I don't know what to believe, but I'm thankful I've got a Bible and I'm thankful I've got a God that I can believe and I can trust in. 
That's not going to change on me. That's not all of a sudden going to one day be like, well, you should do this instead, or you should believe this instead, or you should act this way. It's a firm foundation. And I'm thankful today that God is my rock. What a great thing. He doesn't just say he's my strength. He doesn't just say he's my rock. He also says he's my fortress and my buckler and my high tower. And what that is, is that's a defense and a refuge. I'm thankful that we have a God who is our defense and our refuge. That man, when things get hard, when things get difficult, when we get overwhelmed, whenever the devil comes at us and is attacking us and trying to discourage us, we have a God that we can run to who is our defense and our refuge. Hey, sometimes we need that. There's a dear couple in our church. The wife's 69 years old and she only has a couple days to live yet on this earth. She's full of cancer. And you know what I'm thankful for? That her husband, and her as well, that they have a rock that they can go to, and they have a, a, a defense, and they have a fortress, and a buckler, a refuge that when things are overwhelming, and how could this happen, and my what? There's a God that I can go to that's there for me. And he'll tell you that, because I went and visited him with him Saturday. You know what he talked about? What a blessing it was to have God in his life, that he could depend on him in this time of his need. You know why? Because God is a refuge, and he's a defense. Go to Psalm chapter 61. Once again, keep your spot here. But Psalm chapter 61. Psalm chapter 61. Psalm chapter 61. And verse number 1. The Bible says this, Psalm 61.1. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. What a great thing that we have a God who's a refuge and defense. And yeah, when everything's going fine and everything's going good and your bills are paid for and nobody's sick and you don't have any relationship problems and everything's just... It's not that big of a deal. But guess what? When something goes wrong in your life and something goes bad in your life and things are falling apart in your life, I'm thankful for a defense and refuge. I'm thankful for someone that I can go to and I can pour my heart out to. Hey, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm thankful that God's not overwhelmed when I'm overwhelmed. That God's not scared when I'm scared. That God's not worried when I'm worried. But I can run to Him and I can trust to Him and I can feel safe in Him. And even when that stinking devil loves to come along and cause problems and cause issues, I'm thankful that the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And man, that devil can fight and that devil can cause problems and that devil can cause issues, but my God is greater. And I've read the end of the book and my God wins. One of my favorite songs is It Will Be Worth It All When We See Jesus. And I love that verse that says the tempter will be banished. And I can't wait for that day when he's cast in a lake of fire for all eternity and I don't have to deal with him anymore. But I don't have to be scared of him because God's my defense. And God's my refuge. He says the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my buckler, my high tower. But he also calls him my deliverer. My deliverer. What a great thing that we have a God who is a savior and a deliverer. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12. The Bible says this. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm thankful I'm delivered today. I'm thankful that I don't have to be bound to the powers of darkness. I'm thankful as a six-year-old boy, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and I was delivered from a devil's hell. And I don't have, I, I, once again, I know, I know, I know we've been saved forever. And we've all gone to church forever. I know we've heard it preached on forever and we sing the songs. Do you really understand this morning how amazing and great it is that you don't have to die and go to hell? Like, do you really get that? Do you really grasp that this morning? That there's a very real place called hell that people die and go to every day that have rejected Christ. It's full of burning and weeping and gnashing of teeth and darkness and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and continue going ever. They're going to be there for all eternity. But God loved you so much He sent His Son to die on a cross that if you'd accept him and, and, and take his payment for your sin, he'd forgive you and take you to heaven one day. And instead of that horrible place, you can be with God for all eternity. I'm thankful as a six-year-old boy, I accepted Christ. Amen. I'm thankful I don't have to die and go to hell. That I've been delivered. That's a great thing. Amen. That's an amazing thing. And can I tell you, if you're here and you're not saved today, it's the best thing I've ever done. And I encourage you to make that same decision. It's not about going to this church. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not like doing this some... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even them which believe on His name. It's as simple as accepting Jesus Christ. What a great thing that we have a God who's our deliverer. And not just deliver us from hell, but from the power of darkness. You understand there's people in the world today that are bound by darkness? that they're bound by the chains of their sin. They're bound to their addiction to drugs and to alcohol and to immorality and to whatever else sin you want. To, and, and they have no power over it. I mean, yeah, you can look at me like, what? Because they're bound by the devil. I'm thankful God delivered me from that. And I'm thankful you might, I'm still a sinner. I'm not perfect. But I don't have to have this excuse like, well, I just got to be this way because this is just how I am. And I, no, God gave me victory over that. I don't have to live bound by sin and darkness because I was delivered by my Savior. What a great thing. And God deserves to be bragged on some about that. God deserves to be lifted up about that. He says, my strength and my rock, my fortress, my buckler, my high tower, my deliverer. And he says this then, the horn of my salvation. The horn of my salvation. That's a picture of strength. That's a picture of the driving force of my salvation. 1 Corinthians 15.57, the Bible says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the point is, without Jesus Christ, none of this would be possible for us. Without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be saved. Without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have a defense and a shield and a protection and a rock. It'll be nothing. But praise the Lord for a Savior that loved us so much to come to this earth and live on this earth and be despised and rejected of men and be lied about, and be mocked about, and be hung on a cross naked one day for all the world to see. And he did it because he loved you and he loved me. That didn't end there, but he rose from the dead, amen. 
He proved he was who he said he was. But man, the horn of my salvation, the strength of it all, the reason for it all, is because the God that we serve is a Savior that we have. I'm just trying to say this morning that we serve a good God. And man, I want to lift him up. And I want to glorify him. I know not everything in my life is exactly the way I wish it would be. And yeah, I got problems and I got things and I'm like, man, I wish it... But that doesn't change the fact that God's a great God. That doesn't change the fact that He is worthy. Amen. And so we see David just bragging on God here. Just lifting up the Lord. But I don't just see that. I see three I wills from David in this passage. And three things I believe that David said, I'm going to do this because David knew the goodness of God. And man, once again, what a great thing it would be for you and I if we could really grasp the goodness of God and really fully understand how great of a God we truly do serve. But three I wills that David said here, I like to say first off, David said, I will love. I will love. Verse number one, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I like to start off this point by saying we, we shouldn't love God just because of the things that he does for us. All right. If you go over to John chapter six, you can see kind of an example of that where, you know, at first glance, you think it's a great chapter because all these people, it says, want to make Jesus their king. This great multitudes following Jesus and we want to make you a king. But what do you find? They really just loved him because they fed him. And then he starts really telling him the reason he was there and what he was sent to do. And unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And he wasn't actually saying, you know, cannibalism or anything. It was basically saying, partake of me and trust in what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, many of his disciples left and followed him no more. You know why? It's because they were just loving him for what they got from him. And that shouldn't be the case in our life. We should love God because he's worthy to be loved. Because he deserves it. But can I say, in spite of saying that, the goodness of God should cause us to love him more. Looking at how much God loves and cares for us should cause us to want to love him more. If you go to 1 John 4, go to 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. First John chapter four and verse number hmm, let's just go verse number nineteen. The Bible says this it says, We love him because he first loved us. You know it's amazing that God first loved us. That's really the Bible the reason we only have the ability to love God is because he loved us first. The Bible says my favorite verse is Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the amazing thing is that God didn't love you because you deserve to be loved. God didn't love you because you were just doing all the right things, because you were just the most perfect person, because you're just the most amazing. He loved us when we were sinners. In fact, I believe it's in Ephesians that says about that we were enemies. of We were contrary to what God wanted us to be. And I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, even after we've been saved, we've done things that we know we shouldn't do. That we know God's not pleased with. And we've, and even before we got saved, we were even worse. But yet God still loved us. 
but yet God still loved you. And I, I, I don't comprehend and fully understand that love. Because, yeah, I mean, it's easy to love someone whenever they love you back. It's easy to love someone when they're doing everything you think they should be doing. It's easy to love someone when they're on your side. But, man, it's almost impossible to love someone when they're against you, when they go contrary to what you want them to do, when they don't care. And that's where we were at. But God still loved us anyways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What an amazing love. And he loved us. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The Bible says this. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul speaking, you know what he says? He says, the love of Christ constrains us. Not that we're forced to, not that we're made to, but when we really get a glimpse of the love that God has for us. When we really consider the fact that he gave up his own, greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. The greatest love you ever find is that someone lays down their life and, and dies for you. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us. And the Bible says it constrains us that when we think of that and really consider and really grasp that, that God loves us, we can't help but living for God. We can't help but doing this. Why? Because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to serve a God that loves us that much? Why wouldn't we want to uh, live for a God that is willing to give up the dearest thing he had for you and me? And we live in a world where it's, where it's hard to trust people. It's hard to know if someone really loves you or really cares for you and there's so much deceit and all. But God's not that way. God genuinely loves and cares for you. And man, if we could just get a hold of that this morning, if we could get a hold of his goodness and his love, it causes us to love him. Man, it wouldn't be a drudgery to come to church on a Sunday morning. We'd enjoy it. Think of that. That's, that's a novel idea. <laughs> We'd enjoy reading our Bible. We'd enjoy praying. We'd enjoy telling other people about Jesus Christ. You know why? Because why wouldn't we? Because God's so good. Because God loves me. Man, it should do something for us. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse number 37. The Bible says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the love that God has for you. That's a really strong love. That's an amazing love. He says nothing shall separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Do you understand God loves you and nothing you could ever do could change the fact that God loves you? 
And I'm not, be very clear, I'm not saying we serve a God that doesn't punish sin, that doesn't, you know, make sure wrongs are righted. Like, just because God loves us does not mean he gives us a pass on sin or that there's going to be no judgment or anything like that. But that verse tells me nothing's going to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I think we forget that sometimes. And yeah, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And love isn't, I'm going to give you everything you want and and do everything exactly how you want because I love you. Love is doing what's best for that person. And so that means there's judgment and there's punishment for wrongdoing. That means fellowship can be broken if we're in sin. So once, I'm not in any way, shape, or form some ecumenical preacher like, yes, God loves everybody and you do whatever you want because God loves you anyways and it's not going to affect, that's a lie. Right? How you live does affect your walk with God. But I do want you to know, and especially you young people, God loves you. I mean, even if you turn your back on God and leave church and leave what you've grown up and know what's right, God still loves you. And man, you can live your life contra, He still loves you. And yeah, there'll be consequences one day. And there's punishment for wrongdoing. And I've heard it said before, God will never make you serve Him, but it'll make you wish that you had. And it breaks your fellowship, and you won't be blessed by God if you do what's wrong. But God still loves you. And that's amazing. That's incredible. And you know what? It should want to make us want to serve Him more. God's love for us should should cause us to want to live for Him. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now look, that takes a lot. And it says a sacrifice. So it is a sacrifice in your life to lay your life on the altar and say, God, here it is. My life is yours. My talents, my abilities, my money, my time, everything. Right? That you present everything God, here it is. And some people look at that, I, I could never do that. Yeah, I can give God this, but I can't give God that. I mean, I just, not everything. But you know what the Bible says? That it's reasonable. Yeah. Meaning it makes sense to do that. Meaning it's what's best is to give your life to God. You know why? Because he loves you. And that doesn't mean he's always going to do everything you want him to do and everything's going to go exactly your way. And that's not what that's saying. But that tells me that God ultimately does want what's best for me and he's going to do what's best for me. That That's not what I always think is what's best for me. But God knows a lot better than I do. And so if I'm willing to give my life to him and lay my life on the altar and present my body, that's the best place it can be. Because it's not some person. It's not some collective or some business, right? It's God. And he's faithful. And he's the same. And he's going to take care of me. The best thing you can ever do in your life is give your life to Jesus Christ. And give him everything. And yeah, that's scary at times. And yeah, that's hard at times. And yeah, that's difficult because your flesh is like, nope, because I'm going to miss out. And I'm not going to get to do this. And my life's going to be... 
But it's the best because God loves you a lot more than your flesh loves you and a whole lot more than the devil loves you and a whole lot more than this world loves you. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Go to Psalm chapter 103. Psalm chapter 103. Psalm chapter 103. In verse number 1, the Bible says this. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thine diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. The goodness of God. And David said, don't forget it. I mean, he's telling himself that. Don't forget how good God is because we're so prone to do that. To forget his goodness. But you know what? David loved God because he had a focus on God's goodness. I don't think anyone would question David's love for the Lord. But you know what you find over and over and over again in the book of Psalms? David lifting up the Lord and David talking about how good God was. Amen. You want to say today, I will love the Lord. Just start focusing on his goodness. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. Because we serve a great God and he is good. And David said, I will love the Lord. And so three I was from David. Number one, I will love. But number two, he says in verse number two, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. Not just I will love, but I will trust. And I'd like to say that trust is a big part of your relationship with the Lord. You cannot have a close walk with God if you do not trust the Lord. We need to learn to trust Him. Go to Psalm chapter 62. Psalm chapter 62. (coughs) Psalm chapter 62 and verse number 5. The Bible says this, My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. We're told to trust Him. But not just to trust Him, but in verse number 8 it says, Trust Him at all times. You know what's sometimes difficult to do? Trust God at all times. When things are going good, it's easy to trust God. When things are going according to plan, it's easy to trust God. And even if there's a little bit of difficulty, but like we can kind of see how God could work it out, like it's okay, it's easy to trust God. But there are times where it's hard. There are times where you don't see an end, you don't see an outcome, you don't see how God could do anything, and it's difficult. But we still need to trust Him. It's part of the Christian walk. It's part of living for God is trusting Him, and not just trusting Him, but trusting Him at all times. In Proverbs 3, uh, in verse number 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
all thine heart and lean not in thine understanding. With everything. Right? Trust is not like a, I'm going to kind of keep my foot here and kind of have my foot here and kind of be in the middle and part. Trust is you go all in. And you really put your life in his hands. Right? If I have this chair, if I'm really going to trust in this chair, I need to be sitting down. Trusting is not like, okay, I'm kind of like this or I'm kind of like, but yet that's what we do as Christians. We say we trust God, but we're not really willing to go all in all the way and doing what he tells us to do. We want to have our kind of foot in savior where we feel comfortable, but yet also where, so I can kind of ride it. And that's not pleasing to God. And that's not real trust. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number six, uh, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You and I have to have faith to please the Lord. You and I have to have trust in him. Because if we don't, we're not going to have a close walk with him and a close relationship with him. It's just how it works. But you know what? The more you trust God, the more you see his goodness. And that's how it should work. Right, we just talked about all the ways that God's good. And so you see the goodness of God. You know what it should cause you to do? Trust the Lord. Because you say, if God's that good, then that's someone I can put my trust in. And so the Lord gives you a little bit of an opportunity to just kind of take a step and trust. And you know what you find if you take that step? God's still good. God doesn't change. God's faithful to you. And you go, well, man, God, this for, for me? Okay, like my faith. And all of a sudden, God gives you a little bit bigger of a test. And it takes a little bit more trust. But hopefully what you say is, I've seen God be good to me in the past, and he did this thing before in the past for me, so you know what? I'm going to have faith that God's going to be good. And you take that step, and you know what happens? God's still good. And God's still faithful, and God proves it again, and then you're faith, and then it's a process. But it starts with seeing the goodness of God and taking that first step and trusting him. Because a lot of times God's not going to show you his full power or his full goodness until you take that step. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And yeah, we want it in our life where we can be comfortable and take it easy and everything just, but there's no faith in that. And God says, that doesn't please me. So if you're actually going to see my goodness, if you're actually going to see what I want happen in your life, you've got to show me some faith and trust. Go to 1 Samuel. Chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. Kind of an example of this. First Samuel 17 when David comes before Saul and Saul wants to give him his armor. And kind of saying, you know, what business do you have fighting Goliath? You're a nobody. First Samuel 17 and verse number 34, the Bible says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he arose against me. I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. My servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. I mean, yeah, facing a giant is a pretty scary ordeal. A man who's a man of war from his youth, and you're just a teenager. 
But you know what David said? I've seen God's goodness in my life. I've trusted God in, his, in my life. And yeah, there was this time where this bear came along and took my sheep. And you know what I did? I killed that bear. And then there was a time where this lion came along. And guess what? God delivered that lion to my hand and I killed that lion. And you know what? God was with me then. And I'm not going to let this Philistine, this Philistine who's uncircumcised, bash God and the, the people of God. And I'm going to go take care of him because God's going to be with me then just like he was with me back there. And guess what? God was and God did, gave him the victory. But it started with the lion and the bear. Staying faithful. He was, he was a shepherd. That was his job to protect the sheep. He could have said, I mean, in all honesty, if I was in that, I don't know if I would have ran after a bear to fight it. I've been like, okay, there's a bunch of other sheep. I'm just not going to see that one, you know? <laughs> right? But that wasn't David's attitude. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to take care of it. And he saw that God was faithful. Over in Psalm, uh, 34 verse number 8, the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But you gotta taste. <laughs> you gotta take that effort to bite into it. Man, sometimes there's food that I don't really want to taste too much, and people can talk all they want about how good it is, and I'm like, that looks really nasty. I'm no thank you. But guess what? There's been times where I've thought that and I've tried, I'm like, man, this is pretty good. But I had to taste it. Some Christians are like that. And you sit there in church and you've heard the preaching and you've heard the testimonies and you've heard other people talk about how good God is and how it's worth it to live for God and it's worth it to give your life for the Lord and commit to Him. And even especially young people. And you hear all these, and they're saying, just take a taste! Just try it! But you're never going to know until you do it. Until you really do present your body a living sacrifice. To really do give your life to God and say, okay God, here's my life do with what you, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to get rid of the cinema. I'm going to be real about this. I'm not just talking about playing the Christianity game. I'm talking about being real about it. Right. And I know what you find that, man, God is good. David trusted God because he knew the goodness of God. Because he realized God is good. And once again, he said, man, if God's this good, why wouldn't I trust in him? You know what, if you and I could get to the place where we really realize how good God is, I think it causes us to love Him more, but I think it also causes us to trust Him more. And so we see the three I was from David. David said, I will love. David said, I will trust. And then lastly this morning, in verse number 3, David says this. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. David said, I will call. I will call. You know, it's an amazing thing that we can call upon God. Well, we won't turn there for sake of time, but Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 talks about how we have a high priest that it's not someone that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted and tested in all ways, just like we were. And we can come boldly into his presence. Do you understand this morning how amazing that is, that you can come before an almighty, all-powerful God at any time to talk to him? I mean, you just look back at like Esther, and that whole story, you know why Esther was so afraid to go before the king? Because at that time in that society, she had no right to go before the king unless the king said, I want you. And so according to law, she could have been put to death because, I mean, yeah, she's the white, but this is the king. Like, this is a big deal. And that was just a man. We're talking about the God of all eternity and the God of all creation that spoke the universe into existence. That holds the waters in his hand that could say, Pete... An all-powerful, almighty God that you and I have really no business to be in His presence. 
But yet any time, any time, you and I can talk to him. And when I'm driving up the road from Chehalis this morning to Ridgefield, you know what I could do? I, I could talk to God. I, I could sit in my car. And even though I'm a, a filthy sinner and I have my faults and my failures and I, I have no business, like, I can talk to God. That same God. And He invites me into His presence. And I can say, God, I'm a nobody and I'm an idiot and these people for some reason ask me to come preach again and I'm scared out of my mind because I could go make a fool of myself. God, will you help me? I can do that. And He cares about my prayer. And he cares about helping me. And man, I can look at my life and I can have made stupid decision after stupid decision and be in a spot and be like, God, I know you're good. I know you've proven yourself, but I'm struggling with this and I, I'm having a hard time. And God would have every right to just be like, I'm done with you, you idiot. You should know better. But yet I can still talk to him. I can still come before him. That is an amazing thing that we can call upon God. And folks, the goodness of God should cause us to want to call upon Him. When we look at how good He really is, it should make us want to talk with Him and fellowship with Him and bring everything in our life to Him. Not just a last resort. Not just I've tried everything else and now I guess I'll turn to prayer. But man, I, I don't care if it's big or little. I want to talk to God about it. Because He can do something about it. Go to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Psalm 145 and verse number 17. The Bible says this, Psalm 145, verse number 17, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. He will des- He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. I know I keep saying it, but that's amazing. <laughs> what an amazing thing that the Lord is nigh unto all them that call Him. Man, we have no business being close with God. The Bible says that He humbleth Himself just to look at us. That's how mighty and exalted, that He has to humble Himself. And Isaiah says all the nations are nothing before Him as a drop in a bucket. Like nothing. Like you think of the greatest nation. Right now it's probably United It's nothing compared to God. That makes you and I even more than nothing. But yet he's nigh unto us. And he hears our cry and he says about fulfilling our desire. Yeah, God doesn't necessarily do every desire I have and everything exact, but he cares about me. And he knows I have some desire and he wants to bless me. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's incredible. And you know what? If we could have a piano player come and we just start to play something, we're going to wrap up here. But David called upon God because he knew his goodness. He loved the Lord because of his goodness. He trusted God because of his goodness. But he called upon God because of his goodness. Go to one last place and we'll be done. Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86 and verse number 1. 
Psalm 86 and verse number 1. David speaking says this, he says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy, O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's something we don't deserve. That God will answer our prayers. Even amazing if we're right with God, I'll hear stance. But do you see what it said in verse number five? For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon thee. You may be sitting here today and maybe you're saved and maybe you've turned your back on God and maybe you've made a mess of your life and maybe you've wanted nothing to do with God and you've made a fool of yourself and you maybe said, I can never do anything for the Lord now because I just, I've gone too far. Well, can I give you good news? But the Lord is good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon thee. And you may have made a mess of your life. God still loves you and God's still willing and ready to forgive if you'll come back to him. That's amazing. And maybe you're here today and you're not saved. And I don't know what kind of life you've lived. Maybe you've lived a good life compared to the standards of the world. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. And you'd be the first one to say, yeah, I deserve hell because I'm just wicked. Well, can I tell you some good news? That God's good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon call upon Him. Amen. If you'd humble yourself and come to God and confess your sin, He promised you that He'd forgive you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. That's amazing. And so I just want to point out to you this morning, church, that God is good and it should cause us to have some I wills in my life, in our lives. That if we really could just sit back and see the glory and the goodness of God, I think it causes us to say, I will love. I think it causes us to say, I will trust. And I think it causes us to say, I will call. And since so bow our heads and close our eyes, Something a little bit, maybe a little bit different if that's alright. Nobody looking around. But as the piano plays, I encourage you to do some business with the Lord. If you need to come down to an altar and talk with God, maybe just in your seat. Maybe you just need to thank God for His goodness. Maybe you need to get right with some things and say, God, you've been good to me and Lord, I need to, I need to make some things right. I need to love you more. I need to trust you more. God, help me to call upon you more. But I would just like to say with nobody looking around, I mentioned salvation this morning and I mentioned about the goodness of God and sending His Son to die for us. And even though we deserve to die and go to hell, God made a way that we didn't have to. And I don't know a lot of people in this church. I don't know if you've been here a long time. I don't know if this is your first time being here. And frankly, I don't care. (laughs) What I care about this morning is are you saved? Not have you been coming here for a long time? Are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Are you saved? If you died right now and stood before God, would heaven be your home? Can I tell you? It can be. That right now, you could get saved and get that settled.
And maybe for the first time in your life, you need to have a very real conversation with God. And maybe just say something like this. From your heart, not mumbo-jumbo, not just I'm going to repeat, but you have a real conversation with, and mean this. God, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I've done things that I'm ashamed of that were wrong, that were against you. And Lord, I deserve hell. But God, I believe that you love me. And I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sin. And I believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I'm asking Jesus Christ to save me. To forgive me of my sin. To come into my heart and become my Lord and Savior. I'm doing this willingly. I'm doing this freely. I'm doing this, God, because I want you. And pray that in Jesus' name. And it's not a fancy prayer. It's not mumbo. But it's actually calling upon the Lord and asking him to save you. I'd just like to ask with no one looking around, eyes, eyes closed, heads bowed, not trying to embarrass anyone, but there be anyone this morning who would maybe just in the quietness of the room, once again, not embarrassing, not going to call it, but would just maybe raise your hand and say, I prayed that prayer this morning. I realized the goodness of God and I asked Christ to save me. Maybe just lift your hand up. Amen. Well, hopefully this morning you just got a glimpse of the goodness of God. So I'm going to turn over to Brother Griffey. You can sing a song, do whatever you want to do. But hopefully we'll reflect a little bit on how good God really is.